Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I encourage you to give them a call. Find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have Terrific guest for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow with the Cato Institute. We'll continue the saga on the Flynn case, as well as some of the Supreme Court decisions and their impact. Ellen Prager is a marine scientist and author. She's written several books. Her latest latest is Dangerous Earth. We'll visit with Kristen Corey, who's the producing artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse. Great things going on this summer, as well as the season coming up, as well as Dave Bigo. He's an entrepreneur. He founded uh, and is CEO of Executive Management Services. He also has written the book, The Devil at Our Doorstep, about the travails of dealing with union bosses from SEIU and their dirty tricks over the course of two and a half years. It is July the 10th, and on this day in 1925 in Dayton, Tennessee, the so-called Scopes Monkey Trial began with John Thomas Scopes, a young high school science teacher accused of teaching evolution in violation of Tennessee state law. The law, which which had been passed in March, made it a misdemeanor punishable by a fine to teach any theory that denies the story of the divine creation of man as taught in the Bible and to teach instead that man has descended from a lower order of animals. With local businessman George Rappelier, Scopes had uh, conspired to get charged with this violation, and after his arrest, the pair enlisted the aid of the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, to organize a defense. Hearing of this coordinated attack by Christian fundamentalism, William Jennings Bryan, the three-time presidential candidate, Cross of Gold, remember that speech, and a fundamentalist hero, volunteered to assist the prosecution in the prosecution. Uh, after, uh, or the prosecution, after uh, the great journey, Clarence Darrow, uh, the great attorney Clarence Darrow, agreed to join the ACLU in the defense, and the stage was set for one of the most famous trials in history. On July the 10th, the monkey-style trial got underway, and within a few days, hordes of spectators and reporters had descended on Dayton as preachers set up revival tents along the city's main street to keep the faithful stirred up inside the Ray County Courthouse. The defense suffered for early setbacks when the judge, Judge Ralph Alston, uh, ruled against the, their attempt to prove the law unconstitutional and then refused to end his practice of opening each day with a, proceeding with a prayer. Outside, Dayton took on a carnival-like atmosphere as an exhibit featuring two chimpanzees and a supposed missing link opened in town and vendors sold Bibles, toy monkeys, hot dogs, and lemonade. The missing link was, in fact, Joe Veens of Burlington, Vermont, a 51-year-old man who was short of stature and possessed a receding forehead and a protruding jaw. One of the chimpanzees was named Joe Mendy, wore a plaid suit, a brown fedora, and a white, white spats and entertained Dayton citizens by monkeying around on the courthouse lawn. In the courtroom, Judge Ralston destroyed the defensive strategy by ruling that expert scientific testimony on evolution, evolution was inadmissible on the grounds that it was Scopes who was on trial, not the law that had violated, he had violated. Uh, the next day, Ralston ordered the trial moved to the courthouse lawn, fearing that the weight of the crowd in, inside was in danger of collapsing the floor. 
In front of several thousand spectators in an open air, uh, Darrow changed his tactics, and as his sole witness called Brian as an attempt to discredit his literal interpretation of the Bible. That's right, he called the, the opposing attorney. In the searching examination, Brian was subjected to severe ridicule and forced to make ignorant and contradictory statements to the amusement of the crowd. On July 21st, in his closing speech, Darrow asked the jury to return a victor, a, victor, a verdict, I should say, of guilty, that's right, of guilty, in order that the case might be appealed. Under Tennessee law, Brian was thereby denied the opportunity to deliver the closing speech he had been preparing for weeks. After eight minutes of deliberation, the jury returned with a guilty verdict, and Ralston ordered the Scopes, uh, ordered Scopes to pay a fine of, guess how much? A hundred bucks. The minimum the law allowed, although Brian had been, won the case, he had been publicly humiliated and his fundamentalist beliefs had been disgraced. Five days later, on July the 26th, he lay down for a Sunday afternoon nap and never woke up. So sad. In 1927, the Tennessee Supreme Court overturned the monkey trial verdict on a technicality, but left the constitutional issues unresolved until 1968, when the U.S. Supreme Court overturned a similar Arkansas law on the grounds that it violated the First Amendment. Unbelievable. And there you have it, the Scopes monkey trial in 1925. Unbelievable experience. Well, in 144 new cases of COVID-19 in Collier County on Thursday... Colliers increased to 5,557 or 77 tests or uh, cases out of 39,668 tests. The county's death toll remains at 85, uh, and there's been 392 folks hospitalized as a result, although many of them have, we don't know how many, but several have been uh, uh, released as healthy. Despite the recent coronavirus surge in southern states, three states, New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts, account for about 42% of all the deaths in America. And while we're fanning, fanning the flames of fear here in the United States, here's a few factoids that might be helpful. At deaths per million in New Jersey, it's 1,728. In New York, it's 1,660 per million residents. In Florida, it's 179, one-tenth of the number of deaths per million in New Jersey. Now, uh, I thought about not even saying this, but I, nevertheless, I found this tweet uh, to Sidney Powell, who responded, but here's the tweet. Uh, I have a friend, the tweet says, is a nurse practitioner in Hagensack, New Jersey, and they put in 100 swabs dipped in saline solution and sent it out for COVID testing. 63% came back positive. This was sent to Quest Diagnostics, according to the tweet. Our saline supply might be contaminated, or they are falsifying tests. 63 out of 100 came back positive. Sydney uh, Powell replied, send me the documentation. She's uh, interested in looking into this, but uh, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't have total trust for what I'm hearing from CDC and from the news outlets around the United States. So something's up. Something's fishy. Anyhow. We'll continue this discussion as uh, COVID-19 spreads here in Florida. Oaks Farms filed a federal suit Thursday against Lee County School District, which had dumped a multi-million dollar deal with the firm after the CEO called George Floyd a disgraceful career criminal. Alfie Oaks, who had declared the COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement are hoaxes, 
After that, the school district severed ties with Oaks and his company, which had been uh, providing products for students such as fresh fruits and vegetables, and you'll find none better in Collier County. The district was in three-year contract with the Naples-based supplier and had an annual renewal option to continue services through 2024. Services during the first year of the contract from July 18th to uh, June, July uh, 2018 to June 2019 was estimated to a cost of $4.9 million. So this is, that's a lot of shekels. That according to the school board documents, Oaks is seeking a $50 million settlement in damages or judgment in damages. Uh, It's the First Amendment right of free speech that he's concerned about. They allegedly cancel a contract based on a viewpoint I made. It's clearly viewpoint discrimination, he said. Besides that, it's a contractual violation. District officials said, well, hey, they they can cancel this anytime. But I don't think it's because of what he said. I think it'd have to be because of the quality of the food uh, that he's providing. In any event, I'm very proud of Alfie Oaks bringing this case, and I hope he wins. Because, again, this is a... This is a violation of the First Amendment. They, they, he has a right to say these things. Even if he's wrong, he has the right to say them. He said, we did an amazing job for the last five years. We've had an impeccable record. We had no reason to believe that the job that we'd been doing wouldn't have been that, that same thing for the next 20 years, he said. Well, we haven't talked much about Vice President Joe Biden, but uh, it's time to do so. He delivered an economic speech in Dunmore, Pennsylvania on Thursday, which he unveiled his economic vision, declaring an end to the era of shareholder capitalism. Here's the quote. It's way past time to put the end to the era of shareholder capitalism, he said. The idea that only responsibility a a corporation has is to its shareholders. That's simply not true, he said. It's an absolute farce. They have a responsibility to their workers, their community, and to their country. Uh, And, of course, every CEO knows that. It's never just the shareholders. It's the employees. It's the customer. It's the community. Yeah, but nevertheless, Biden's making these claims. In place of shareholder capitalism, he proposed, a more inclusive system built on the power of labor unions and on the black, brown, and Native American communities that he said have been left out of the economic prosperity. He, I'm not kidding, he really said that. Much of his speech was devoted to criticizing President Donald Trump's response to the coronavirus. He claimed, of course, falsely, that Trump told Americans to drink bleach. <laughs> <laughs> what a bozo to fight the disease. Biden addressed a small, socially distant group of workers and journalists in the McGregor Industries Metal Works facility, said that he would raise the corporate tax rate to 28% from 21% where uh, the president lowered it. He said that he would spend $400 billion on infrastructure projects, including clean energy projects, touting his experiences in the Obama Administration Recovery Act, without mentioning, of course, Solyndra, which went bankrupt under government money. And Biden said he would implement a policy of Buy America in which the federal government would purchase pharmaceuticals and medical supplies exclusively from domestic suppliers. So you know where this is all going. It's the Green New Deal. It's socializing America. It's leading uh, to uh, allowing opening our borders and allowing foreigners to come in uh, any way they want to. We need to we need to buckle up and get out and vote and support President Donald Trump. He's our only hope for avoiding uh, a one-party system and socialism here in America. 
This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4100. 11 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best, and of course they have a great season, uh, summer of programs for kids. I hope you check it all out at GulfShorePlayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Ellen Prager. She's a marine scientist and also author of several books. Her latest, Dangerous Earth. Right now, we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow with the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Tell us about the Cato Institute. 
You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and, and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, William, unbelievably, uh, Emmett Sullivan, the uh, judge for the Flint case, has now appealed to the en banc court, or uh, I guess the gathering of all the, uh, I guess it would be, is it nine or 11 judges, having them to review the decision made by the appeals court. <laughs> He's just not giving up. What are your thoughts? The saga continues. I mean, it's really outrageous. Um, you know, we've been covering this case and, and kind of the injustice, the gross injustice perpetrated against Flynn um, for a long time. But this is the latest zig and zag. I mean, after uh, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, a three-judge panel had effectively told Sullivan to, to hey, dismiss this case. Mm-hmm. There's no one to prosecute it. The, the government and the defendant, the prosecutor and the defendant, agree that the case should be dismissed. Um, notwithstanding that clarion call from the higher court, um, he's appealing it. He's appealing it to the full, uh, I believe it's an 11-judge court. And it, notably, the Democrats or Democrat appointees do have a majority, um, a 6-5 on the D.C. Circuit. Um, however, I mean, notwithstanding that, um, I, I, I just can't imagine... Uh, a, let me put it this way. Regardless of how we get to this case being dismissed, this case will be dismissed. I mean, I, I can barely guarantee it. It, it. As such, it really is, um, it's sort of beyond the pale. Because, yeah. again, the, Mr. Flynn is going to have to endure um, yet more months, perhaps even years, of this legal process. And, mind you, were Donald Trump to lose in, in November, um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not I'm libertarian. I mean, I'm, I'm not on for either party. But were he to lose? This case has been politicized from the start. It, it actually holds out the prospect that if this case were to continue until the November election, and were we to get new leadership, that uh, a President Biden could again sit the Justice Department on Flynn. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there could be another zag, or a zig to the zag. I mean, it's, uh, it really does sort of boggle the mind what this man has endured, and it, it, it truly is unfortunate just because at the end of the day, there is no mechanism by which this case can proceed. I mean, there's no one to prosecute it. So, and uh, I guess the en banc court could decide, no, we're not going to review the case. And just, uh, it seems to me they would have probably uh, asked to review the case uh, when the first decision came down. But could this all go to the Supreme Court? Oh, indeed. Um, at, in, at any procedural posture. I mean, so we're... Um, uh, 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 the Sidney Powell, the very capable counsel for Michael Flynn, who has distinguished herself incredibly well um, this this whole proceeding since she took over, um, she could you know uh, seek a writ of mandamus from the Supreme Court that effectively tells the D.C. Circuit, "Hey, enough is enough." Um, so yes, uh, either at this juncture or a subsequent juncture, there could be recourse to the Supreme Court. Wow. Um, however, it is um, I don't know it. it, it it's mind-boggling. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. It, it truly yeah. makes no sense just because, again, at the end of the day, there's no one to prosecute this case. Yeah. Um, let me tell you what makes what sense Sullivan to is doing. Yeah, Let me tell you what makes sense to me. I have a feeling they just don't want Flynn to talk. He knows a lot about some of the things that John, uh, Durham is looking into right now, and I suspect that uh, they'd like to get past the election until Flynn is able to come, come clean with what he knows. 
uh, at least this is one theory about Flynn is that uh, uh, Obama didn't want him saying anything, and uh, the, obviously the uh, investigation didn't want him saying anything. And uh, so, what what are your thoughts about that? I I don't know if I'd put too much stock on on those rumors. I mean, it, this does seem to be the the singular person of, of Judge Sullivan. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't uh, I don't expect or don't foresee that there's any background forces at play. I mean, this seems to be the, this Judge Sullivan for whatever case. If you recall, when he initially set out to sentence Judge Michael Flynn, he had this histrionic presentation with the American flag. This is Judge Sullivan accusing uh, a Flynn of even being a traitor. Yeah. Um, it, it was only that at that moment, uh, late 2018, I think, when he, he, he basically suggested to Flynn that you could spend a long time in jail um, the friend said, hey, let me reconsider this, got his new counsel, Sidney Powell, um, who has since, you know, again, fought this case quite successfully. But what, I, I'm loath to attribute a grand conspiracy at play mm-hmm. when it seems so evident that it's merely the actions of this single judge, this Judge Sullivan, um, that's sort of the core root problem. Fair enough. So uh, before I let you go, though, I would... Uh, We've had a number of Supreme Court decisions come down. Uh, which are the ones right now that uh, that you'd like to discuss? Any that, you're, that are really important to you? Well, indeed. I'd, I'd say that, uh, important to all of us. Um, it was a great week for religious liberty. Um, in, in two different sets of cases, the Supreme Court, um, in one, found that the Free Exercise Clause allows religious schools um, to hire on a religious basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was the Little Sisters of the Poor, where the Supreme Court found that um, the nuns challenging the contraception mandate in the Affordable Care Act, um, that they were entitled to argue that they could be exempted um, from that mandate. So that was a, a 64,000 view, foot view of uh, the cases, but all told, it was a good week for religious liberty. Yeah, how about for President Trump and the tax return issue? Oh, indeed. So I'll note this. Legally speaking, neither side won, really. I mean, yeah. the, the court rejected the president's sweeping claims of privilege, and the court, uh, the Supreme Court also rejected the Second Circuit and the D.C. Circuit's sweeping claims of th- that either state grand juries or Congress could uh, get information from the president. Um, notwithstanding that sort of deadlocked legal result, practically speaking, it was a big victory for President Trump yeah. because uh, the court sent both these cases... Um, back to the circuit courts, where we will not have a resolution until the uh, certainly until after the election. So, to the extent that um, people, and to the extent that there was a scullywag about how dirt could have been dug up on the president before the election, um, which I don't think is necessary. I don't think that's true to begin with. But right. to the extent that that's out there. Um, it would not come to pass. All right. Again, William Eatman, uh, Research Fellow uh, with the Cato Institute. I always appreciate your commentary here on the show, William. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. And I just remind you, the website, a great organization, Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Ellen Prager, research scientist and marine scientist and uh, author of uh, several books, Oceans is the first, the other, the next is, uh, and we're going to talk about today, is Dangerous Earth. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kristen Corey. She's the producing artistic director of Golf Shore Playhouse. Right now, we have with us Ellen Prager. Ellen is an author. She's written several books. Her, her latest is Dangerous Earth. She also wrote Oceans, which is a fascinating read as well. She's a marine scientist. Uh, uh, Ellen, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. A pleasure to be here as always, Bob. Thank you so much. Did I get it right? Are you a marine scientist, or how would you prefer? What is your handle, so to speak? You got it. Every every time people, a lot of times people automatically say marine biologist, but I prefer marine scientist because I've got a strong background not only in biology, but also physical oceanography and geology, and so it's much broader. So I appreciate that. Okay, great. Well, I enjoyed your book. I finished reading it this past week, and uh, a lot of great information in there, things that we don't know, you know, we, you don't think about. And, uh, you know, you really make the claim that the Earth is in many ways dangerous because of the unknowns with regard to hurricane, mudslides, you name it. Uh, so I just wanted to let you know, though, first of all, I enjoyed the book. So thank you so much for writing it. Well, thanks so much. I, you know, this was... This was a really fun book to write because I spent a lot of time talking to experts about what they don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, usually as scientists, everybody likes to spiel about, oh, here's what we know, and here's all our data. But I really enjoyed talking to the scientists about what do they wish they knew about, like you said, hurricanes, volcanoes, climate change. What are the big questions? So it was 
You know, when I write a book, I have to be interested in the subject just as much as I hope my readers will be. Right. Well, you, you did a great job of uh, making it fun to read. Science can be boring reading, <laughs> quite frankly, and uh, you, you made it uh, fun to read. So I wanted to let you know that, and, and our listeners as well. So let's talk about hurricanes, because we're going into hurricane season. We've certainly been through Irma and a number of experiences uh, with hurricanes, and there seems so much that we don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, the good news, you know, it's sort of the good and the bad. The good news is that we are much better at forecasting hurricane track. We've improved in her forecasting intensity. So we get warnings much more in advance, and they're much more accurate than they've ever been before. So that's the good news. Mm-hmm. The bad news is that there's things we don't know, um, and, and and that make it hard to predict things like, you know, in our area when Hurricane Charlie wobbled. Mm-hmm. Predicting a wobble like that can, is very difficult and yet very important for people along the coast. Um, we're, you know, we're looking at how hurricanes are changing in the context of climate change. And clearly they're becoming more intense, but are they going to change their tracks? We don't know that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, you know, it is a good news, bad news. But I will say on hurricanes, more on the good news because we are so much better able to forecast them in advance. So a lot of folks uh, talk about the storm surge. The, the winds themselves could be damaging, but the storm surge can be worst of all. Reading the illustrations about storm surge uh, that you covered, well, of course, and tsunamis and other things, you know, it's pretty scary stuff. It is, well, and storm surge, for the most part, has in the past been what kills most people. And partly that, I think, is because people don't take it as seriously as they should. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you remember some of the images from, you know, I'll never get forget the images from Katrina and what hit the Mississippi coast, those storm surge images. You know, it can really just wipe a place clean. And the power of water, even a foot of water, or the power of, a, of water coming on shore has to be taken seriously. Again, the good news there now is that NOAA now has a product where they can forecast storm surge. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, part of the the thing that needs to be done now is for people to understand what it is, take it seriously, and evacuate when that's called for. Yeah, you know, and so it was interesting uh, when Irma came uh, and hit uh, the uh, Naples area, uh, the hurricane kind of fell apart on on the uh, on the strong side of the hurricane just as it was coming on shore, and the storm storm surge itself never occurred. We were so lucky with that. We were very lucky, and a lot of it. Um, I'm up in the Tampa Bay area, and a lot of it also has to do with the direction that the storm hit. So it's not just the the wind strength or the size, the intensity of the hurricane. It's also the direction that it hits coming onto the coast. I don't know if you heard, but sort of in Tampa Bay, instead of coming on shore, a lot of the water was pulled out of Tampa Bay mm-hmm. and offshore. And again, that has to do with how the, how the storm hits the coast. Doesn't that lead to tsunami conditions? Well, it's not the same as a tsunami. No, a tsunami is very different. And in, in sometimes before a tsunami, the water will retreat. So mm-hmm. that part of it is similar. You're right. But in a tsunami it retreats because essentially it's all piling up offshore and is about to hit. And that's not really what happens in a hurricane. So luckily, and I say that very luckily, that it was not the same phenomenon in right. that sense. Uh, interesting. So uh, another thing that occurred uh, in uh, when we had 
Irma come ashore is there are a series of, I, I think, tornadoes. I mean, it was just unbelievable. You see the damage and how these uh, these forced winds, these small these tornadoes came through and just uprooted trees and created so much damage. Any does that is that uh, common? That you know, that's a great question. And what we have learned over the past couple of years, certainly actually since Andrew, is that embedded within a hurricane when it hits the shore are conditions that are ripe for the formation of tornadoes. So as a hurricane is coming on shore, you get all of those ingredients that are ripe for hurricanes, I mean, sorry, for tornadoes to form. So yeah, that's pretty common now, and it's something that, again, we are better at forecasting with radar and other things that, that the um, meteorologists are looking for now. When's, when hurricanes are coming on shore, like right now even, with Tropical Storm Fay hitting New England, they're already warning of potential tornadoes as it comes on shore. And so I think in the future, you'll be seeing a lot more attention to warning people about that. That's so interesting. Well, I, I learned a lot uh, reading the book and, and uh, around hurricanes. And, of course, having been through several of them down here, there's so much that we don't know. But uh, what do you think are the best source of information if, in fact, there's a hurricane threatening our area? You get a lot of conflicting information. What, do you, what would you recommend? So my first, my go-to place to begin is always the National Hurricane Center. NOAA's National Hurricane Center, and you can go on the web. You can, you know, there's mobile apps. Now you, can, you can get Twitter alerts. There's also, but my, my go-to place is always the National Hurricane Center for really accurate uh, information. And if you want to, you know, sort of follow up to date, there's two things I recommend also is, you know, I'm kind of a, a weather channel geek, uh, can't help myself, so I, you know, I like to watch their coverage, but also you should always look at your local coverage as well because they're going to be following, especially if there are tornado warnings, mm-hmm. you know, looking um, online, uh, there's mobile apps on your television, on radio. But so, uh, you know, National Hurricane Center, your, your local weather, um, and then, uh, you know, again, as I said, I'm kind of a weather channel geek myself, and, yeah. uh, but the National Hurricane Center is, is number one. Well, I, Ellen, that, I appreciate that's their That's their whole job. Well, very, very interesting. And I'll point out to our listeners, uh, Ellen spent, uh, we talked about this last week, but a lot of time underwater. She is, uh, and her book, Oceans, is also a fantastic read. This one is called Dangerous Earth by Ellen Prager. Highly recommended. Great read. Ellen, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Bob, and stay well and try and stay kind of cool in this heat. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ellen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Kristen Corey. She is the producing artistic director of uh, Gulf Shore Playhouse. Uh, we're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. 
Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin recovery program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House thrift stores, Cafe M25, car wash and detailing center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and continuing great education programs right here on the Paradise Coast. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Kristen Corey. She is the producing artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. I am so pleased to be here. Thank you so much for asking. Well, my pleasure indeed. An organization near and dear to my heart. I served on the board for 15 years and so proud of the great achievements that you've had under your leadership, Kristen. So congratulations to you. Thank you, Bob. So kind. It's all thanks to you. Well, thank you, Kristen. So, uh, Gulf Shore Playhouse, you've gone through this uh, pandemic. You've gone through the uh, closing down the end of the season last year. I'd just love to check in with you and find out how this uh, epidemic has affected you and the Gulf Shore Playhouse. Yes, well, at first it was tragic, of course. Within five days, we realized the severity of the issue in mid-March, just like everybody else. And in, in within a 24-hour period, we sent home... Uh, 15 actors back to New York or wherever they had come from, and uh, and we ended up laying off three-quarters of our staff. Mm. Once, once we knew we had to cancel the rest of our season, we knew there wouldn't be anything for anyone to do, so we quickly, quickly released everybody in, in, um, in deep sadness mm-hmm. and in hopes that we could make it through the end of our fiscal year, which was June 30th. And I'm pleased to say that thanks to the, the, the enormous generosity of everyone uh, all of our supporters and patrons, we were able to make our end of year um, in the black safely and securely, which wow. means that we will be strong to return another day. And uh, and uh, we are already planning. We're already building back, actually. Um, we've, we've increased our staff by 50% since then, and um, you know, which means we've added another five or six people. And uh, so we're still much smaller than we were. Uh, in March, but we are building back, and uh, we expect to be back something like close to normal in October because we have once again canceled the first two shows of our season simply because 
The most important thing we need to figure out is how to keep our actors safe. We have figured out a way to keep the audience safe. We've got all kinds of protocols in place with um, mask wearing and separation of seats and um, frequent hand sanitizing and cleaning, extra cleaning of the bathrooms and all kinds of different measures to keep the audience perfectly safe. But the actors acting on stage was what was our big concern. So we wanted to take a little time to figure that out. So we canceled the first two shows of the season and we wrote, Jeff Binder, our associate artistic director, wrote a one-man show, which will be which will be presenting in November. That is outstanding. So, well, uh, just rest assured, then the audiences can feel comfortable getting tickets. And uh, one of the, I was delighted to to read in a press release that uh, you're now offering programs uh, for kids uh, during the during the summer months and and doing it in a way that's safe for them as well. It's incredible, really. When when all this went down, we had to cancel the remainder of our spring programs for the kids, the after-school programs. We ultimately, we eventually ended up doing them virtually, which was great. But virtually, for theater programs, is not the same as uh, being in person. We canceled our first show of our student, our first student show of the season, uh, Mary Poppins. And the whole time, I just kept saying to um, the woman who runs the Nora Center, Jen Fox, if if I can just hold out on on uh, Adam's family and put it in my back pocket, it might be that we get to a point where we can approve doing it um, by the time we get there. So she said okay, and and in fact, um, just a couple weeks before we st- we were due to start, uh, Governor DeSantis reactivated the ability to do summer camps, and the city of Naples opened up the Norris Center. But we've got very very strict requirements. We can have no more than ten kids in a room. Uh, we are social distancing all the time. Everybody's wearing masks. We're doing temperature checks in the morning, um, every single morning when they arrive. If anybody has a, a fever over 104, 100.4, we're sending them home. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, and so we're 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 wearing face shields. We're wearing masks. And in fact, the kids are going to wear masks in the performance itself. And anyone who comes to see the performance is required to wear a mask. So we're being very, 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 very careful. But it is honestly, my heart just burst open to see the kids singing and, and, and acting together again and uh, being able to actually socialize together again. Um, they're being very good about it. They're staying as far apart as, as they can, and uh, we're constantly reminding and we're, we're keeping them safe. So yeah. I'm just really pleased about that. Well, Kristen, I'll tell you what, you know, our 15 years ago, 16 years ago, whatever it was and when we uh, started this venture together, it seems just incredible what, what uh, you have accomplished. And just to think about the fact that we're going through this pandemic, you're ending up the uh, fiscal year in the black, doing summer programs for kids and have a great season of productions coming up, I think is just fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. My, my pleasure, Dean. Before I let you go, do any can you give us an update? You have this beautiful performing arts center and education center that is being planned. The property is purchased down in downtown Naples. Uh, it's a tough time to be raising money, but any thoughts? Any Can you give us an update? Yes, indeed. Well, the, 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 the silver lining, I suppose every dark thing has a silver lining, and our silver lining has been that because um, those of us who are still working were working from home and had some additional time on our hands, thank goodness, because we really were able to put that time into the focus of construction documents, which we're in right now. We're in the final phase of design which is called construction documents, which means we're, we're picking finishes and we're talking about all the minute details of the building. And so it has had our concerted effort and our real focus, as it, which we would not have been able to give it during high season. And um, so every single no stone has gone unturned, every light fixture, every floor material has been chosen, and things are just getting more and more beautiful. And in fact, 
it's given us time to take pause and really think about how can we make the building more virus resistant. So we've added additional airflow, um, better materials and floors and doors and surfaces so that um, there's less virus um, transmission, um, the way the doors open are going to open differently, things like that, so that we can actually take best practices into the new future with us, even though we hope that by the time we open the building in 2022, that there will be, um, the, the pandemic will have long since been behind us, but you never know. So what, what comes next? So we're, we're taking every measure to make sure uh, that we can be safe in the building. And that's just so exciting. And, and how are you doing with fundraising? I understand you had some nice, uh, at least one big gift this summer. We did have uh, 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 Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Stephen and Mary Byron Smith, donated a million dollars. We're so excited. We're actually out there again. We're talking to people, and there's a lot of interest because now uh, we're on fire. We're ready to... We're ready to finish uh, design and start the permitting process and actually are looking toward uh, breaking ground sometime in February or March. And uh, people are getting on board for that. So the momentum is here, and uh, it's amazing. So we're excited to get people to back to work and to, to really, really turn around that portion of downtown, which at least since I've been here for 17 years has not been activated. And so it's so excited to, to really activate Naples Square and build a beautiful cultural center, which will serve as a landmark at the gateway to downtown. All right. So we take a look at Goodland Frank and uh, 41, and you see that vacant space there. That's going to be the home of Gulf Shore Playhouse, uh, along with other nice businesses there in the community. So it's just so exciting. And I just wanted to score for our listeners that this is professional theater. Actors having uh, television experience coming down from New York, from Broadway experience, uh, the, the uh, artistic uh, performance of these performers and uh, their season. It's just absolutely fantastic. And Kristen, you've got a very creative season coming up. I think it's also exciting. So I'm going to encourage our listeners to go to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Get tickets. You get them at a nice discount right now and uh, support Golf Shore Playhouse. Take a look and uh, make a contribution. I think it's just a great organization. Kristen, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Delighted to be here. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. 
You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Earlier in the show, we uh, heard a commercial for uh, Lulabee's Diner. They do just a great job, and they're going through construction right now. I encourage you to go to Green Tree Shopping Center and have breakfast or lunch at Lulabee's Diner. Just do a terrific job. Also, great supporters of St. Matthew's House. We have with us Dave Beagle, as I mentioned before the break. He's a, a, a businessman. He owns Executive Management Services. He started doing business in over 40 states with over 6,000 employees. Uh, he also wrote a book. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep about the travails of dealing with the dirty tricks of union bosses from SEIU over the course of two and a half years. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, Bob, for having me on. And um, I hope people will go out and buy my book and read it because all the tactics and agenda we're seeing today uh, from the left and that uh, are the same tactics they use against me and my country, our company. And, um, you know, it, the book uh, speaks the truth and uh, really exposes what the left and uh, the unions are doing. Yeah, it's a great read. I just genuinely enjoyed it. It reads like a, uh, a murder mystery or something like that. You just can't believe what these people are willing to do in order to, uh, in order to pressure you into signing a neutrality agreement. So here we are, four months, a little less than four months before the election, and uh, Biden and Sanders have gotten together, and they've got a pact. They're trying to pull the party together and getting more and more progressive. It's all very scary. What are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, truly, Bob, behind the scenes, uh, what's really going on is they, they just want Biden elected because he comes across as, as more of a, a middle-of-the-road type of guy. And uh, you know, they want to get him elected, but they wouldn't really let him run the White House. Behind the scenes, it would be whoever the vice president is, and I think Obama and other people, they would run the White House, and Biden would just sit in his... Uh, basement all the time yeah well yeah i think that's pretty evident because he's just demonstrated the lack of uh the, you know clarity he he can't his i think he's he's suffering from uh dementia go, uh, age, because of his age right now uh, he just seems to be going down till uh, downhill and yet he's saying uh sanders has said that biden could be the most progressive president since fdr he embraces collection of proposals he's he's embracing uh, the Green New Deal, you name it. I mean, reparations uh, for uh, Jim Crow era and for slavery. He's he's embraced all of these proposals, and if he's elected, it's going to be very, very scary. Well, it is, and um, this is going to be, as I've mentioned many times on your show, this is going to be their path to um, bringing the country down and turning it into a communist socialist uh, country, and that's what they want to do, and that's what the unions want. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like the things with Black Lives Matters. Um, you know, 
Black Lives Matter is not really for the black community and for, um, you know, making sure that people are all treated the same and that. And uh, what they're behind the scenes really trying to do is um, uh, be a part of the unions and Soros and other people who, who started them uh, to bring down this country. And I don't know if you um, have heard, but um, on July 20th, um, Black Lives Matter has uh, so they're and uh, the unions. So they're going to do a strike for Black Lives, um, and they tens of thousands of fast food, rideshare, nursing home, airport workers, you know, people in our business and that are going to go on strike. Hmm. And you know, behind the scenes, who's the ones that leading this? Uh, the biggest point, Mary Kay Henry, president of the Service Employees International Union, uh, um, which represents over two million workers in the U.S. and uh, Hmm. They, uh, they're they the ones doing that, and that's the union that we fought. So you're saying that on July 20th, uh, they're, they're working to get employees uh, stirred up so that they will strike for yep. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and, and for, and of course, um, they're, they're going to go after Trump and uh, the uh, conservative party and, uh, you know, it's in uh, the police officers and everything. This is, this is their whole agenda to... Uh, you know, bring down the president and uh, also to win the Senate. And uh, they're going to keep doing this stuff, and people need to understand that. Well, I just can't understand how it could work, because right now they're just um, creating a stark difference between the president of the United States. He says, well, I want to create uh, communities that are safe or with law and order. These are the things that he's stressing, having a you know, strong economy, uh, jobs. He's a, really pushing jobs. These people are trying to destroy all that. How could that be appealing to anybody? Because when they do this stuff, Bob, and again, if you remember reading my book, uh, they go out and they talk to these people, and they said the same things about me. He's racist, and he's a bigot, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And he's not going to treat you right. He's a liar and everything. And the, the truth is, they're the ones that are lying to these people. They're telling them, we're going to get you this. You're going to get that for free. And um, we're going to make sure, you know, you have uh, no health care costs. And all. they just go on down the line, and, and it's not true. It's just their ways of brainwashing these people. And, uh you know, Joe Biden, I don't know if you saw, he, he came out um, um, here recently, and um, he's uh, getting the teachers' unions on his side. And, uh, you know, so he's, they're out there because they know the unions are, um, are going to go out there and talk out of both sides of their mouth. You know, and, uh, you know, one day they'll say, oh, we're for this, and we're all, you know, and everything. And the next day they say, well, you know, the conservatives do this stuff, and it's wrong. And uh, so, you know, they're, uh, it's a bad situation that's going on. The American people need to stay, take a step back and watch what these people do, not what they say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a HR bill, HR 40. It's, it's a reparation, develop reparation proposals for African American Act, or HR 40, an important first step. Let me just, if I may, just read. We recognize that physical security is a precursor to economic security and that the over-policing of communities of color, the criminalization of poverty, and historic and ongoing injustice against sovereign tribes nations to contribute to racial gaps in wealth and income. Importantly, too, we recognize the damaging impacts of barriers to generational wealth building, including the legacy of impact of long-standing prejudices in the employment and housing markets and prioritizing. You know, 
this stuff is all right out of Marxist nonsense. I mean, it's just unbelievable what th- th- their focus is not on making the economy stronger and making uh, community safer. It's on, well, as you pointed out, tearing down the structure. And re- as, as uh, Biden says, he wants to transform the country. Well, that's right. And, uh, you know, and even uh, Black Lives Matter, I've got to go back to them for a minute. Uh, the gal that's kind of speaking out for them right now came out and said that uh, they need to clear, um, shut down all the military bases in this country. Now, think about that, Bob. Mm-hmm. That's not because they're racist and, and all that kind of stuff. It's because they want the Army to go away so they can take over the country. It's unbelievable stuff, Dave. So, uh, again, read the book. It's uh, The Devil at Our Doorstep is the name of the book. And, Dave, you know, any union updates? I mean, uh, right now Biden is saying that everybody should be joining a union. Everybody needs to get get into a union. Any thoughts? Um, no, I mean, because the unions are behind them. And, they, and, uh, and people need to go on my site and read my blogs, too, because I've talked about this. I talked this about my blogs I wrote for about five years after my second book came out is uh, the unions, uh, especially the SEIU, uh, they told one of the gals that I talk about in my book that uh, 45% of the union dues money goes to politics and 95% of it goes to the Democratic Party. And so they control the Democratic Party. They're trying to take the country over so they can control it. And uh, they're going to continue to do this. And just just the things with the SEIU getting a strike going on and, um, you know, um, uh, Biden going with the teachers' unions, he's... uh, really pushing hard for them to be on his side. He, his comment was, you know, your teacher union will be will be in the White House with me. He says, I'll probably just lay, lay in bed and sleep and let my wife run it because she's part of the teacher's union. Huh. So, you know, the only the only thing between us and a socialist country and everything that they that Joe Biden is d- describing is the election of Donald Trump. I mean, I can't. I don't know of any election where this where this election has been more important. And we need to somehow, some way, make sure that he's elected. Number one and number two that we have a majority in the Senate as well as in the House. Otherwise, we'll be in stalemate, and uh, we're just uh, we're just delaying the inevitable, which is a one party country and socialism. That's right, and that's uh, the people in America need to wake up and. Uh understand who these people really are they're not truth tellers it's so true dave beagle again the author of the devil at our doorstep you can get a copy of the book go oh, visit the devil at our doorstep.com you can uh, find many of uh, dave's other writings and blogs also you can get a copy of the book you can get a copy of the book on my website bob harden at hotmail.com I'm sorry, BobHarden.com, and also at any book purveyor, including uh, Barnes & Noble and, of course, Amazon. Dave, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, and you have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Always appreciate your comments and thoughts when I'm, and emails that you've been sending. I send out after each show a, a newsletter about the show and the content. You can get a copy. Subscribe. Just give me a, a, send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. On Monday, as usual, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's written several books about past presidents. We'll be talking about current world affairs, and I'm sure get an update on the global approach to the pandemic. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, a terrific organization. We'll visit with uh, Larry as well, uh, Larry Reed. And Jim McTagg, 
Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's written a couple of murder mysteries, which are really terrific. The first is Follow the Leader, and the second is uh, uh, Shake the Money Tree. So uh, we'll, we'll have a great show on Monday, and I hope you'll tune in. Uh, also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Always looking to uh, build the listenership and, of course, patronize our great sponsors. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.